That's right. Shit. I don't fuck. I'm winning anyway. I'm winning. I'm winning any motherfucking way. I can't lose. Shit, you can shoot me, but you can't kill me. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a day. <laughs> what a motherfucking day. Pauses are fine. Haber interrupting is a bit of a struggle, but like pauses are fine if if you want to think about something. Anyway, if you have something to say, think twice before you say it. Is what he's trying to say. <laughs> can Can Thomas tell you anything else about how conversations work? What else can he mansplain to you? We are on episode fifteen of the Substandard Expanded Universe podcast already, and man, that is hard to believe. On the outside chance that this is the very first episode that you are listening to, which is kind of unbelievable, but whatever, I thought I'd offer a cheat sheet for you. Our style is layers, and not just in the sense of having an oppressive layer game, but to layer jokes upon jokes upon jokes. And in case you don't understand why we're dying of laughing, I'm going to offer you a cheat sheet for the first 14 episodes. First, let's start with our hosts. Thomas Lassie is our host with the accent. He is Flemish. If you don't know what that means, it's one of the main two ethnic groups that make up Belgium. And he's so that means he's basically a cheese-eating surrender monkey. He has a PhD in international relations with an emphasis in conflict studies, which is why he has accepted a job at Arizona State in the Center for the Planning of Future Wars. He's an unabashed neocon artist, and all of us are concerned he will spontaneously combust once summer comes to Arizona. He's a communist. He hates America. He hates peanut butter, root beer, and carpet. Ryan is, uh, we don't know exactly what Ryan does. It has something to do with filling garbage bags with concrete. He lives in Austin where he sits on his porch and yells at the hipsters who drive by on their electric scooters. He yells at them to get off his lawn. He drinks his whiskey straight from the bottle and buys his tacos at Taco Bell. He loves Texas, guns, and distilled spirits. He also has a racist baby who is half Mexican, but she must not know that. She's going to be like Pal Show's first black white supremacist. Our first guest was Shannon Last, our patron saint. She's the CEO of The Last Household and is just as patient with us, the idiots of the substandard expanded universe, as she is with her husband, the chief experience officer, who for some reason continues to make acquisitions, such as the 65-inch TCL television, which now dominates their mantle. She gives rib-crushing hugs and can woo with the best of the woo girls. She has a thing for James Comey, and uh, it has to do with a room, and I don't want to say anything else about it. We also have Jason and Matt on the podcast. Matt lives in the D.C. area. He wears pants with gusseted crotches and does the stuff that you'd expect someone with a gusseted crotch to do, like do planks on rocks. He's dating a twin, which he says is a feature, not a bug, and he's going to kill me for saying that. I really hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. Jason lives in Cleveland and is a Cleveland superfan. He roots for all the teams someone living in Cleveland roots for. The Browns, the Cavs, the Indians, and Youngstown State's football team. He's an adorable son named after his favorite baseball team's former stadium. I think it's Mistake by the Lake, Cooper. It's a weird name, but what do I know? Our next guests were Shark and Mary. Shark is working on a PhD in sociology with an emphasis on the use of emojis on dating sites. Gabriel Rossman is her dissertation advisor, or whatever it's called. I think it's called guidance counselor. Uh, Shark is irrationally attached to her home state of Ohio, 
defends all things Ohio, including the garbage distilled spirits they produce. And if you say, oh, in front of her, as in, oh, my, or, oh, for goodness sake, she will interrupt you and say, H, I, O. Mary is a proud Texan and, as a proud Texan, likes all kinds of things from Texas, like gas stations based in Texas. She rarely sleeps and has more commemorative pint glasses that she would like to admit and goes to Disney World at least twice a year. Our next guests were Rick and Steven. Rick hails from Long Island, but grew up riding the short bus. He went to real law school and lives in the D.C. area. He studied literature in college and is a big fan of Barbara Kingsolver. He bought a lot of lottery tickets recently with the hope that he would win, so he could, and I quote him here, so he could drink himself to death with fine wine. He's dating someone half his age who I really hope isn't listening. Steven is a giant of the gentle sort. When he gets passionate, he sounds like an extra from The Sopranos. He went on a date with a girl he thought was interesting looking. He's an undercover conservative working on Madison Avenue in New York City where everyone assumes he is a socialist. Oh, and on his episode, he outed himself as an undercover pirate. Our next guest was Adam. He hails from Pittsburgh where he cheers for all the local teams and pretends to like local beers like Iron City. He travels and raises money for a living and recently was in the Austin area where he met up with Ryan. Flag was our next guest. He's a political theory professor, which means he's afraid of numbers, but for some reason he really likes when we count things on the podcast. He shared a poem on the podcast, which is easily one of our top five moments of SSEU podcast history. He's an advocate of communism, speaking frequently at the Center for the Promotion of Communism. Tim Lewis was our next guest. He talked about how dissatisfied he is with movies today, and then proceeded to share a detailed plot summary of a dumb movie called Christmas Town. And that brings us to today. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. You are listening to the Substandard Expanded Universe podcast. The SSEU is your number one source for garbage opinions and hot takes on anything from film to politics and everything in between. You can find us in the megathread on Twitter using the hashtag SSEU, where we give you a few free tweets and then ask you to subscribe to Premium for a small fee, like your soul. The SSEU would not exist without the Substandard, the pop culture nerdcast published by the Weekly Standard. The Substandard has taught us about Woodshop, Watches, Cinema Scores, Paul Thomas Anderson, Zack Snyder, John Wick, Traffic Cameras, Halloween Candy, Star Wars, Disney, Basement Favelas, The Greatness of Christopher Nolan, Michael Caine, Amazon, How to Mask a Screen, Lego, Leppin, Duke Basketball, and much, much more. This is the 15th episode of the SSEU podcast, and I am, as usual, joined by Ryan and Chris. How are you today, guys? What, how did you like the trip down memory lane? Let's both answer at the same time. One, two, three. I thought it was great, Tom. Oh, you didn't even come in at the same time. (laughs) I mean, you know the, you know the, you do know the most important thing in comedy, right? Um, Timing. Dick jokes. (laughs) Uh, 
We are fortunate to be joined by a guest today who will hopefully rescue us from ourselves and prevent the episode from degenerating into whatever that last episode was. Born and raised in Colorado under a thick cloud of pot smoke, she spent a few years of her youth in Oklahoma learning how to noodle. Afterwards, she decided to seek a degree from the Baylor Lady Law School and later worked for BP, where she is rumored to be responsible for the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Live from Houston, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you, Thomas. Did I get all of that right? Uh, good enough. <laughs> I have a question. What is noodling? I don't know either. Ryan, do you know? No. So noodling is the technique of uh, fishing when you go out and oh, you uh, you fish by sticking your you reach your arm into holes. Oh, pool noodles. You use pool noodles to hit the fish. Like they, I don't know. Like the fish is supposed to just to like bite onto their arm and then they lift it up oh. out of the water or something. Basically, yeah, you're you're using your arm as bait. It's catfish. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. And like you 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 come up victorious and raise your arm over your head where there's a catfish on your like halfway up your arm. Yeah, that sounds gross. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think it used to be like it used to be more popular and people actually used to fish that way, but I don't think they really do it anymore. Well, I think it's the homogenization of culture that like we're all like our dis- cultural distinctives are going away. We're all. You know, watching Jersey Shore and Kardashians, yeah. and that's yeah. why people don't stick their arms in water to catch that's, fish. Anymore. It's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. We're losing our local traditions. Yeah, and, and my advice: do not look up noodling in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I may have just made that mistake. <laughs> Laura, do you, do you have the app? Is there an app for Urban Dictionary? Do you just <laughs> type stuff in all day? I, I, do, I do not have an, an Urban Dictionary app. I do not believe there is one. Okay, Laura, how is Houston today? It's relatively cold. Um, you know, I think our lows are like 45, high about 55. So chilly by our standards. What do they call it in the summer when the air conditioning's like turned up to, you know, 60 degrees or something? What, what do women call that? There, there's a term. It's called woman's winter. Woman's I winter. I, I don't know. I, I don't personally use that term. Okay. It's, it's freaking cold in the office, but, you know, I have a Snuggie. A Snuggie. Gets- it, do, you have a, do you also have a space heater you use during the summer? I do not because okay. they are prohibited by our high-rise building owner. Okay, but so if they, if that's how summer is, how is winter at your office? It's about the same, but it's not quite as annoying because then the women are also appropriately attired for it. Yeah. So the yeah. temperature is is probably fairly constant. D- didn't the internet recently decide that air conditioning is sexist? <laughs> I think office environment air conditioning is sexist. I don't think air conditioning itself is inherently sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think everything is so. We have we have a lot of ground to cover today, and not too much time to do it in. So let's jump right into it. Ryan, how are negotiations going with the Weekly Standard? Yeah. So this is kind of I don't know. I'm a little bit confused because we know it was announced today that Clarity Media decided to shut the Weekly Standard down, which is odd because I was just talking to Rick, our lawyer, yesterday. And he was telling me that there was going to be an announcement today, but he was pretty sure it was going to be that we were being added to the Weekly Standard. So I don't know if he's been negotiating with them all this time, like he says. Why wouldn't they have just told him, hey, you know, we're closing, you know, this week, so maybe just, you know, find somebody else. And so I got a little curious and I started looking at these cease and desist letters that Rick has been sending us claiming they were coming from the weekly standard, but uh, would a cease and desist 
from the Weekly Standard be printed on Rick's letterhead? Does that make sense, Laura? I don't know. You you declined to seek my legal representation because I'm a lady lawyer. Do you so, think that Rick has just been making this all up the whole time just to get work and the Weekly Standard actually doesn't even know that we exist? Is that is that possible? I, I think that's a... We, we really need to consider that possibility, Ryan. I, I have an alternative explanation. So so I wonder if, if the reason that uh, Anschutz, is that how you say his name, and, and Clarity Media decided to uh, shatter TVS, TWS is because they simply couldn't afford to keep up with Rick. So, I mean, imagine the... The salaries oh, that they he would was have too good, right? Like, imagine how much oh. they had to pay their own lawyers to make sure that they right. stayed a, a step ahead of him in negotiations. That makes a lot more sense than what Laura said. <laughs> okay. I have even. I have a third possible explanation. <laughs> Maybe they thought that this podcast was a part of the Weekly Standard, and they wanted to kill it to try to get your listener list because it's a awesome <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Oh, and they, they're going to use that for the Washington Examiner hip-hop podcast? <laughs> exactly. I wonder if, if I wouldn't have gotten into that fist fight with Ryan McKibben the other week, I wonder if that, w- that hurt our chances. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think he probably would appreciate your feistiness. So, do you guys have uh, any any thoughts on the Weekly Standard uh, shutting down, Chris? I have a lot of thoughts. It's a shame that I'm going to have to censor myself because I feel very passionate about this. It angers me that uh, idiots like Ryan McKibben and others uh, have. Uh, oh, we weren't going to name names, were we? <laughs> that, that certain idiots who work for a certain parent company can't see uh, an amazing publication that is a cultural hallmark. That has. Uh, they seem to have a little lack of clarity. They seem to have just lack of clarity about vision and just kind of reading kind of the the stuff on Twitter today about it just made me very sad. Uh, reading back to the beginning, you know, that was before my time, really. Uh, the beginning, back when it was founded, was that in J Pod's article where he talked about how right away the the Weekly Standard was criticized for not jumping on the um, Republican bandwagon and n- not being totally pro-Gingrich. That it was this independent-minded publication that was intellectually honest and spoke the truth as they saw fit, not being on anyone's agenda. So, like, right away Grover Norquist criticized them and others because they were an independent magazine. And it's sad to see that go away. There aren't many magazines like that, that that don't just throw in with the administration when your guys are in power. So that that makes me very sad. It also makes me sad that the uh, Weekly Stand, Substandard Expanded Universe has really, we've come to know some of these writers. Uh, now, I haven't met them, but we have online relationships with them, and it's really sad to see them lose their job. And especially, we're substandard fans. You know, JVL has worked for one institution his whole life. That institution is closing, not because it's not making money, not because the quality has gone down, but simply because of people with bad ideas, with malicious intent, are, are running the parent company. I think I want to echo a lot of what you just said. So the Weekly Standard was one of the first publications that I started to read when I became interested in politics out, outside of Belgium. So uh, <laughs> I went to, uh, I read I read uh, Anaros, uh, The Corner, uh, but I also read The Weekly Standard. And in the aftermath of 9-11, I became more of a dedicated reader, and The Weekly Standard has probably remained a publication with which I identify the most politically. 
uh, ever since. So the magazine was not only indispensable after 9-11 in making the case for, for the West and for freedom and for democracy, but also since the start of the 2016 primary season when the orange man came down the escalator. So the Weekly Standard has remained true to its principles. It has refused, even in the face of mounting criticism from Republican loyalists and other conservatives and from Trump supporters, to sell out. So as an institution, just like you said, the loss of the Weekly Standard should be mourned. But we should also keep in mind that it is an institution that's populated by people. And it's a group of charitable, bright, witty, mm-hmm. and frankly, simply amazing individuals. My understanding is that the staff of the magazine, they knew about this meeting for, for at least a week. And that many of them have already started to make plans for the future. But still, like losing your job is a personal tragedy for anyone, especially around Christmas. And yeah. the, the entire Weekly Standard staff is, is in our thoughts and we wish them all the very best. Everyone, including the digital team, to the editors and to those who have been with the magazine since the beginning. It's just a very sad day. Wow, you had much more coherent thoughts than me. <laughs> just cut my segment. <laughs> yeah, I have not spent much time on Twitter, but I saw someone write thoughts and prayers. And I think it was like a a mocking like oh well you you know you give thoughts and prayers when there's a shooting so we're offering you thoughts and prayers i wanted to reach through the computer and punch him in the face <laughs> on twitter and elsewhere like the the glee or the the joy of the weekly standard dying isn't just coming from the left it is also coming from our yes. i don't know former friends on the right it's really so, th- so what they're offering is they're saying we're going to give you snark when you lose your job when you know when you say thought, when we say thoughts and prayers, offering thoughts and prayers after a shooting, like we are genuinely hoping for healing. Laura, Take away all the guns. <laughs> Laura, are you excited about getting the Washington Examiner in your mailbox? <laughs> yeah, no, not not so much. I, I agree a lot with you. I mean, I've been reading the Weekly Standard for years, and the thing that that's most angry to me is the way in which certain parent companies and or CEOs have been dealing with this. I mean, not only to to lay people off or to fire them the week before Christmas, but to do it and then say, I'm not answering questions. What is this, a press conference? Um, <laughs> and, and, and then, and then the, the, the non-disparagement clause that has reportedly been put out to the staff. Can, can you um, talk a little more about this? Yeah. Um, and and, and I, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll call Rick to check and see if it's accurate. But, uh. <laughs> well, you know what? You can, you can check Hope Hat because he has a thread about this and, and, I believe he is not a lady lawyer, but like what you would consider to be a real lawyer. <laughs> but in any case, it's really upsetting to me because I, I don't know how much severance, you know, people are getting. But given the generosity and kindness of the parent company, it's probably not a ton. And <laughs> maybe and maybe they end up with $25 gift cards to restaurant.com. Yeah. <laughs> and four free issues of the Washington of the Examiner. Examiner. <laughs> But but really, I mean, to, to to withhold people's severance the week before Christmas unless they sign an agreement that is not meant to prevent them from, from lying about the company, but one which prevents them from telling the truth if they find it to be unflattering is just really immoral and unacceptable. And it's not even a normal business practice. Um, yeah. How is that? Like, how is it worded to basically does it just mean they're not allowed to say anything at all except for hey, it was great working there, and that's about it? Or, well, I mean, just... Well, effort, what exactly what it said. Yeah, congrats to whatever Weekly Standard employee recorded the meeting. That's fantastic, because it's out there, like, a lot of the stuff is out there on CNN, and, and 
Because how else would we even Wait, know anything recorded, about this? They recorded like the audio of the meeting? Yep. Laura just mentioned how um, M- McKibben, McKibben said, yeah, this is not a press conference. Like when yeah. someone tried to ask a question, like I'm being fired. That. And so, he's like. And, and, so. and again, like Laura said, like the timing, like did it have to be yeah. this week? Yeah, 11 like, days before Christmas. So per reporting, the NDAs that were given to the staffers, and you know, as a condition for receiving severance, forbid, quote, false, disparaging, derogatory, critical, insulting, offensive, deprecating, or belittling comment in public or in private for two years. So critical. Like, that, that pretty much... hard to litigate. criticize them in a private conversation, that Let's, is a violation of the agreement. See, they can't even say, I disagree with how they went about this, because that's critical. So it's, it's very broadly written. I mean, they kind of seem like they would be jerks enough to try to enforce it. Yeah. You know, I, if you're in that, if you're in the position of a staffer, it's, it's really difficult because, you know, it's either you sign it or you don't get paid. And, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of people in their 20s with families are not in a position to say, screw it. I want to keep my principles. Right. How does that work, Laura? So let's let's say they have six months severance. Let's just say. But okay. the, the non-disparagement was a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. So even once they're done paying you, they could go to court and fight for that severance. Yeah. And the thing is, is that even if it's not that, that great a case, the fact that their pockets are a lot deeper and yeah, if you right. could sue pretty much wouldn't even be able to fight it. Person, yeah. right. um, just the cost of defense, even if it's a you know crap right. claim. Seems like there's somebody else that's become more prominent recently that has that <laughs> standard practice. I can't remember. I don't who that know is, who though. you're talking. About. It sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I'll I'll never yeah. figure it out. Yeah, so uh, for for our, our listeners, if they are interested, if you are a weekly standard subscriber and you want to you don't and you want to get a different magazine, Commentary Magazine is currently offering a terrific deal. I believe it's ten bucks for both print and digital uh, for twelve months, as long as you have a weekly standard account number. That's what I'm gonna do. Nice. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep, me too. Are they have you have they heard anything about uh, are they going to give refunds? Because I just paid for the year in November. I, I'm not convinced that people and the customer service representatives actually know what's going on because there have been different stories. Although I think the most recent thing I heard is that they are, in fact, converting people over to the Washington Examiner. Although I think early on they may not have said that, but I think they are converting subscriptions now. Uh, I was fortunate that my subscription ends uh, with the next issue, and oh. I was able to deactivate my account because my mother always gives a gift subscription and I was like text her this morning and I'm like don't have you already renewed it don't you know so uh, supposedly and uh, you know I told her if they charge it to protest the charge I saw someone else on Twitter I believe it was Eric Erickson talk about how this doesn't in any way disparage or um, reduce the value of the Washington Examiner moving forward and what Seth Mandel and others are trying to do with the magazine and maybe there is a valid point there that maybe it can be a decent magazine at some point, but my the venom that I feel for the ownership of that magazine make me very unlikely to ever subscribe yeah, or it, read it. Would it would be tough to support it. it. I mean, just even even if I don't know, I have my doubts of how much great reporting they're going to do there. I, I agree with Ryan. I'm not impressed, and and I have zero desire to give a dime to the ass hats that killed the Weekly Standard. <laughs> I don't know. Can I say ass hats? Are you going to like leap that into like a big like? 
Buster Bluth, you know, or JBL. <laughs> no, but they have they have Cedo. Uh, she 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 goes every four years to like West Virginia or rural Ohio and counts yard signs and then predicts and definitely election. talks to all those people. Yeah, definitely <laughs> talks to all those. She doesn't make up anything at all, Brian. Yeah. She has the recordings. You're not going to hear them, but she has them. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> So, uh, transition. Uh, Chris, I believe that we have an ad. Yes, we do. Uh, we have a, uh, another ad from WeHarmony. We are so happy to have a good service like WeHarmony as a um, two-time advertiser for us. We would not exist without your ads. This will be the third time. Third time. I've, I, I just wanted to hear you count, Ryan. <laughs> I was just setting yeah. you up. I know. Thank you. The I app that is saving the children. Let's just be honest. We've all seen our little darling scream when placed in the arms of a friend of a different race or ethnicity. We've all noticed our toddlers staring contemptuously at the other kids when on a multiracial play date. Don't deny it. It happens to all of us. Studies show that if not nipped in the bud, these seemingly minor incidents can lead to even more troubling behaviors as your child gets older. One minute you're snuggling with your sweet toddler Bridget and boom! The next minute, you're checking tween Bridget's browser and finding David Duke's newsletter in her search history. Thankfully, the folks at WeHarmony have an app for that. WeHarmony says it's never too soon to stamp out these problematic instincts in your precious darlings. Remember, it works just like a dating app so garbage millennials and iGen parents can teach their children to navigate this technology with ease. Open the app and hand your smartphone or tablet to your little one. Pictures will pop up of diverse, marginalized, and problematic people from history and from today. Swipe right to affirm the good people. Swipe left to dismiss the problematic figures who will thereby be dismissed into the dustbin of history where they belong. Swipe wisely and hearts, unicorns, and cupcakes will appear on the screen. But if little Penelope makes a mistake and gives a swipe right to, for example, Steve Bannon or a swipe left to Nelson Mandela, the phone or tablet will emit a powerful electric current. Zap! Ouch! You'll be amazed at how quickly their chubby little hands will make the right choices after a few hours of enduring these electric pulses. <laughs> and if these problematic behaviors don't disappear within a year, the folks at WeHarmony will delete the app from your phone free of charge. Is this app, like, is this FDA approved? Well, not FDA, but whatever institution has to approve (laughs) electrocuting your children. Like... No, 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 no. It's a shock. It's not an electrocution. It's a shock. I I wouldn't look into it too much, but I'm sure that it is. Would you rather have a a white supremacist or a a baby who's maybe slurred speech? You know, maybe you have to help them eat a little bit when they're a teenager. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they walk with a limp. Like, which, which would you rather have? <laughs> Go on, Chris. That's an easy choice. All right, don't take our word for it. Listen to Dave, a young father from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Why Sioux Falls? <laughs> Why Sioux Falls? All right. Uh, a few months back, we took our dream vacation to Disney World. Uh, this seems... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on the first morning, just after the Seven Dwarf Mine Train, my little Stacy, my wife, and I were strolling along, and who should appear but Princess Jasmine from Aladdin? The lovely princess leaned down for a picture. Well, Stacy looked up with a strained look on her face and said, Do you even speak English? Well, I chalked that up to naivete and too much cinnamon sugar French toast. We saw Moana surrounded by a swarm of kids. She's just so inspiring. I mean, my wife and I wanted her autograph, but as we got closer, Stacy inched up to the edge of the crowd and shouted, Go back to your island where you belong! Ooh, which island? That is the question. 
frankly, I thought Stacy might be too far gone. But after a few months of We Harmony, she's watching Maloon. <laughs> she's watching Mulan without grimacing. So take it from Dave. We Harmony can even help your preschooler. Many people with PhDs have determined that there's only one lasting effect from the electric pulses. Blank, vacant stares. But remember, those stares beat hostile looks any day of the week. So they actually help with the Harmony thing. So download WeHarmony today and ensure your little one joins the enlightened. Found in the App Store and Google Play, type in dudes counting hashtag flag Taylor. (laughs) They're, They're also on Twitter now. Yeah, yes, they, they are, are on Twitter. All of them on Twitter. We Harmony. All right. So uh, we thank our sponsors. Uh, Transition. Recently, Ralph Breaks the Internet hit the big screen. Uh, it has made, pulled in 144 million domestic. It has an 88% from critics and a 69% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Laura, I believe that you took your children to see it, right? I did. Do you have any thoughts? I do have thoughts. Would you like to know what those thoughts are? We're good. <laughs> no, we just wanted to know if you had thoughts. <laughs> All right, Chris, go on. All right. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not very professional in my, uh, you know, big boy review here, but... It, it we always terrible. are, though. So. <laughs> High standards. I don't know. I, I hate Sarah Silverman. I do. <laughs> I feel like I can elucidate why I don't like her. Um, and I think that, you know, people can generally understand that, but... She's clearly the worst part of the movie. I, I thought things so since some parts were cute. I liked the the Disney princess part, uh, even though it's the woohoo strong woman theme that seemed to go through so many animated movies this year. Um, it, it wasn't as good as the first one, but it wasn't terrible. It was fun. Um, you know, on the the spectrum of animated kids movies, I give it like a seven and a half on a scale of one to ten. It was okay. It was fine. Alright, so I haven't seen the first one, and I, I don't know who Ralph is. So, what what is what is it about? So, Ralph is a old-school arcade video game hero, or I guess he's the villain. He stands on top of a building and pounds and tries to break all the windows and fix it. Felix, who is the protagonist in the game, has to go through and try to fix all of the windows that he breaks. You are, the, the characters in the video games, such as Wreck-It Ralph his, and Pac-Man, you know, all of the, the characters in all of the video games travel through the electrical wires and are able to interact and trade games and, you know, go do different things and interact with each other and visit each other's games, etc. They're just supposed to be back in their own games by the time the sun rises and, and the arcade opens the next day. So in, in this movie, they plugged in a Wi-Fi router uh, for internet access. Uh, Sarah Silverman is a girl who's in a, a princess in a girl candy girl racing game uh, whose wheel to the arcade game is broken. It's too expensive to replace. The only replacement is on eBay. So she and Ralph... Go onto the internet to try to replace the wheel on eBay. It's basically using existing IP to tell kind of a different story. So the first the first movie is is about Ralph who doesn't like his role anymore. He doesn't want to be a bad guy. He wants to be a good guy. Um, wants to be a hero, and he won't be let into. So I mean, sometimes the setups can be kind of silly. Like he wants to get into a party with Felix and the other good guys on his game, and they said, "Well, you have to get a medal to to be able to be a part of our party." Um, and so he goes into another game and tries to get a medal. And 
uh, I don't want to say much more about it. That that was the the first movie, and it involves multiple games and this princess from this uh, Sarah Silverman character from this other game. This other movie has really not a lot to do with the first movie. Okay, but 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 it's I mean I I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It you know kind of the quirks and. Ex- eccentricities of the internet are, are kind of talked about yeah there's a lot of product placement but so they're trying to get this steering wheel for this old video game and they just like bid on ebay and they don't realize how it works because uh, they're video game characters and so they they just start shouting out numbers and they're like what's a high number we can get to like flag would love this movie and so they, they bid it up way high and then they need to come up with that money and so, like, how do you make money on the internet? Porn. <laughs> they they did not explore that option. <laughs> um, yeah. So they they find a kind of a spam bot and follow him and try to make it that way. So I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's ultimately really about friendship and and other things because uh, Ralph is friends with Princess Vanellope. It's not Penelope. It's Vanellope. I guess. What did your kids think, Laura? They enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was fine. They really liked the internet part. I mean, some of the graphics are cool. It's kind of nice to see how they travel through and how they visualize it. There's also an extended a, a part part of the plot line and how they raise the money is by monetizing whatever they <laughs> viral, call it. Viral videos. Or viral what? videos. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's Ralph doing stupid things on the internet that's getting clicks and that's how they make their money. And given how much my kids watch YouTube, they yeah. <laughs> you know, found that entertaining. It's a nice parody of how stupid, like how really dumb videos make a, get a lot of hits. It's pretty funny. But so they are, uh, so they are actually like on or in the internet. Yeah. So so you know the internet, it's 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 bytes traveling, and so it it illustrates that. So it's like uh, you know you you say a thing to a search bar, and then zoom it, you travel to that place. If you want to go here, um, you might say something, and then like a little car would show up and tr- take you to that place. So yeah, it actually does a pretty decent job of illustrating kind of how the internet works in a way that's actually more Pixar than than Disney. It's kind of you know you uh, if you've ever seen Inside Out, Thomas. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of illustrates that way, like things moving to different places. Yeah. So so like so Inside Out, which you just mentioned, it is a movie that I think both appeals to to children, but also to to adults. Uh, is is the same true about this movie? Or that's why I asked Laura what what her kids thought because my kids liked it. My kids are eight and five. They liked it a lot, but part of that was they they, I mean they liked Wreck It Ralph the movie, and they had just were fresh off of being at Disney World where they met. Uh, we, we were a minute away from being able to meet Ralph. Uh, he left, uh, and, but we got to meet Princess Vanellope, who I um, <laughs> uh, made the bad joke right in front of her. I was like, is Sarah Silverman really inside that suit? And like, she like, she, you know, Disney characters are always in character. So she like looked at me and glared at me. They take it very seriously. Yeah, 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 they do. <laughs> and I was just talking to the employee there, and I guess you overheard me. Uh, so, so it does appeal to children and adults, or or no? Did you like? I mean, Laura, did did uh, when your kids watch it at home? If it, if you buy the DVD, will you, know, you kind of pay attention and, and enjoy it? I buy all the physical media because I have a Honda Odyssey with a Blu-ray player in it, and DVDs usually play better in it than Blu-rays. So yes, I I'm sure I will buy it, and it will go into the rotation in the minivan. I'm curious. Which means uh, I'll get to hear it over and over again. I've yeah, never yeah. seen it, hear it. There are a number of movies I've never seen, but I've I know them 
by sound from beginning to end. And and some of those I've I've seen bits of, and I'm like, oh, that's what that looks like. <laughs> so Chris, how do you how do you rate the movie? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, I thought it was good, but it wasn't great. But it was good. It was entertaining. Uh, I'm looking for. We'll buy it when it comes out, um, and we will buy a physical. A uh, copy of it uh, on DVD or Blu-ray, and uh, yeah, I, I thought the humor was good. Uh, it, it, I liked the bigger theme of friendship. So the bigger theme was like these are best friends, and and one of them, Ralph likes things to stay the same, and Vanellope is kind of bored and tired of of doing the same thing every day. There's only three tracks on her game, and she kind of wants to expand, and he kind of has to let her go. Um, I don't know if. Laura's ever had these conversations with her kids on friends who maybe want to move on, you know, and, and you just kind of let them go. I think it's got a kind of good themes with it and is entertaining along the way in conveying those themes. And there's also an entertaining bit where uh, Vanellope meets, uh, gets into a room with all the Disney princesses and, you know, they end up kind of helping at the end in a big confrontation and they, they help save her because she's their friend. But it, it's interesting to see all the, the Disney princesses out of character and singing and doing the sorts of things that they do. And yeah, or yeah. totally different things. It, it, was, it was entertaining. It was cute. I'm confused. Yeah. Why, why are all the Disney princesses on the internet? Because well, there's a Disney website. And Penelope, yeah. oh. uh, to try to raise money, takes her little clickbait ad and, and goes to the Disney website. And, and, and part of the, the interesting part of the movie is how they graphically represent it. You get up in these little cars and you ask to go to a site and there's like a little guy who's the search engine that you ask for the information that tries to autocomplete what you say. It, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, visually, you know, you see Snapchat and, you know, the product placement everywhere. Uh-huh. And, and it, there's a little bit of kind of member berries with, with that. But um, it's visually interesting. Okay. I think that part works. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds. Yeah. I think your point about inside out sounds like it makes a lot of sense because it was really interesting to see how how they visually displayed like the inside of someone's brain and, and the feelings and emotions that you have. And, and, and maturity and, and like how, how fragile, you know, an, an adolescence uh, mood is, you know. Uh, so, so here's a question I have. So it was explicit in Ralph Rex the Internet uh, what has been kind of below the surface in recent movies since at least Frozen is that like a woman doesn't need a man to save her. And uh, so the, the princesses joked about how this has been a trope in, in Disney movies forever that, that princesses need a man to save her and that, that like these are kind of new times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's my question is, will we ever see a male protagonist in, in a Disney movie from here on out, like saving something or is it all going to be girl power? I think that ultimately we, we have to have another male you know, male protagonist, or at least, you know, male assistant somehow. But, you know, he's not going to be saving any women, right? Yeah. That was the theme in the Incredibles too, as well. Yeah. Um, And so I I think that ultimately you can't have every movie be kind of like Mulan was interesting because that was the first time kind of where there, where the female character was the, you know, the, the real true hero, you know, hero with no, with no other support, but it's getting old. And frankly, you know, boys like movies too. And so I, I'm not, I think it's getting a little overdone, but I don't know if it's going to end anytime soon. Yeah. But so you mentioned, you mentioned The Incredibles, which I believe you watched earlier this year too? Yes. Okay. So how does this compare to that? Well, actually, so how does Ralph Breaks the Internet compare to other animated movies that you have watched with your kids earlier this year? If you like, I have a ranking. Okay. Uh, how? We love rankings. Yes, but you need to count them as you rank. Yeah, that's kind of our thing. 
Okay, so do you want me to go from best to worst or worst to best? W- worst to best. Okay, worst to best. Worst Sherlock Gnomes. I didn't actually see that one, but I'm sure it's terrible. Uh, and that, would, I guess, would be eight. I hope I counted right. Um, seven would be Hotel Transylvania. Four. Um, I Three. Think that, that, no. that was featured in a, in a previous episode by Chris. I could, I could give the synopsis again if you'd like. No, no, no that's, we're that's good. Okay. We're good. Uh, six would be Early Man. Five, Smallfoot. Four, Teen Titans Go. I actually enjoyed that one. Um, that's kind of the top of the not great tier, but okay tier. What What was number six? Six was Early Man. What is that? Uh, that was a kind of claymation ep- one with, um, wasn't Daniel Craig in that? Oh, Tom Hiddleston. That's what I meant. Wrong guy who looks kind of like a <laughs> new Bond. Okay. So it's Thomas, are you aware of Wallace and Gromit? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's those people, which is funny because we like I don't even know their names. I like I love their work. I love John the Sheep. Uh, but like no one ever says their names. They're just like from the makers of Wallace and Gromit. Five. Uh, five is uh, Smallfoot. Actually, you know what? Those six and five are kind of the same. That kind of depends on my mood. Four is the Teen Titans Go movie, which I enjoy. My kids really like uh, Teen Titans Go, and it's one of the more entertaining shows on Cartoon Network. Three is Christopher Robin. I included that. It's not fully animated, but um, I think it counts. Two, Ralph Breaks the Internet. And in first place, Incredibles 2. So clearly, the top three spots are all Disney Pixar. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this list? Have you seen any of these? I have, I have only seen Hotel Transylvania 3, as you know, <laughs> Ralph Breaks the Internet, and and The Incredibles 3, or 2. I always say 3. I have no idea why. The Incredibles 2. And I have no problem with her ranking. That is a... a I, I liked Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph, but... Or Ralph Breaks the Internet. It's the same tier, but like there's a lot of distance between them. And then Hotel Transylvania <laughs> 3 is terrible. <laughs> Laura, did you did you hate Hotel Transylvania as much as Chris does? I did not. I mean, it's not good, but I, I did not despise or loathe it with the fury that, that he seems to. <laughs> like, we saw it in the theaters, and I still bought the DVD. Yeah. I mean, I bought the D- DVD because I love my children, but we did not see it in theaters. <laughs> but there are still some animated movies to come this year, right? Yes. Uh, to come? Are there? Oh, oh uh, well, it's already out. Into the Spider-Verse, which... Did Sonny call that the best superhero flick of the year? Something like that. I know that J-Pod tweeted about it earlier today and said that he loves it. My kids are very excited to go. I'm going to take them on Tuesday. So how is that movie related to the rest of the Spider-Man universe movies? Spider-Man is owned by Sony, and it's a Sony production. So it's not related really to... And so it's multiverse. uh, So... There are multiple Spider-Man. There's even, like, a uh, pig Spider-Man talking. I, I don't understand. I'm going to have to watch it to find out what it's about. Um, and the, the Grinch is out currently. Laura, did you see that yet? I have not. Okay. My kids want to see it, even though they, they don't really have any awareness of, of the Grinch because that's a great failing of mine. I've not shown them the classic version. Transition from animated movies to something very, very different. Laura, do you want to introduce uh, the movie that uh, you have watched, that you recommended to us? Well, it was kind of a roundabout recommendation, but the second movie for consideration this episode is a sci-fi movie by the name of Sharktopus versus Terracuda. Now, this sci-fi movie has a special place in my heart because it was the first sci-fi movie that I watched with my boys when they really got into this. And so I don't know how we saw a commercial for it. 
And then we watched this one and my kids loved it. And then we, we ended up watching probably over six months, six or eight months, just about every sci-fi movie on Amazon Prime. Do they need to involve uh, sharks? Because I think you mentioned Sharknado too. Yeah, so all the, this, and, and, and Sharktopus came out before Sharknado. There's also like Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark, which is like a robot shark. There's kind of shark versus a gatoroid. So they're not all sharks, but um, sharks figure prominently in the sci-fi terrible, you know, movie genre. Question. How many Sharknado movies are there? Six? Seven? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't actually see all of it because it involved time travel and (laughs) okay, so terrible terrible actress. I think we can all agree on that. And so they were traveling through time to stop the Sharknado and the Sharknados kept happening. It was was so bad. Oh my goodness. This last one was so bad. You you have seen them all, even if you haven't seen all of the last one. Seen all of them. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your kids like them. Like, do they like them in a kind of wink, wink, nod? Like, we get that these are dumb, or do they think they're awesome? Well, I think the boys still think they're awesome. <laughs> but I think I subscribe to the Vic Mattis school of, of parenting with with entertainment media, in that like violence doesn't really bother them because they know that it's not real so you know a stellar example of my parenting was when my kid was i don't know five or so and and i was like hey we were watching the walking dead i'm like hey come on in here (laughs) watch them mow over this horde of zombies but with a wire between two cars driving down a freeway and it just mowed the whole like horde of zombies in half and and that was kind of awesome i mean i don't want to watch the whole show but Seems like that. <laughs> you, you'll have to get back to us on how your kids turn out. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sharktopus versus Terracuda, 2014. It has a 3.5 IMDb rating. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay. 3.5 so, out of what? 10. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So, Chris, you also watched this? I did. Did you enjoy I it? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. That's not to say it's good but i enjoyed it this is my first foray into this sort of thing so maybe laura can can kind of help me out a little bit but this is very it's its own niche like there's the kind of satire that is you know the naked gun movies but this is this is more subtle it's it's more kind of winking at you so it's 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 poorly acted it's poorly written and the lines oh my gosh there's some great lines i just have a few that i want to read to you <laughs> so here's a, a girl and a, and a guy a girlfriend boyfriend talking she says you are a lousy boyfriend but i'm a hell of a lifeguard he says she says be careful he says don't worry i'm too handsome to die <laughs> and then what do you think happens to him like he dies. I don't know. Yeah, he dies like almost right away. <laughs> There's a defense contractor who invents the Terracuda, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a it's a cross between a, a Pteranodon and a Barracuda. The it gets hacked right away and stolen by this dude. So the defense contractor's trying to get it back the rest of the time. So he, he kills the guy who hacked him and he's and he gets in touch with with the guy who hired the hacker and he's like listen like i can sell this to you and so here's what he says he says let's cut to the chase you know what you want the technology otherwise why would you hire the guy to steal it but he can get you only one terracuda i can bring you the mind that created terracuda and then he says am i worried about betraying my country 
with all the taxes and regulations, America's declared war on me. I mean, how can a business innovate without killing a couple of civilians? I mean, who writes lines like that? Like, Late. how can a business innovate without killing a couple civilians? Late and stage then, capitalism. Of course, you love the yeah late stage. Um, <laughs> and th- th- this is the best line. He says, now you find me a safe haven, get me a pile of cash, and I'll build you an army of terracudas. And just in case, like, this isn't over the top enough, he says this. And there's plenty of half-crazed despots. Don't wait around. This deal's gonna go away. So, so the plot is stupid. It is poorly acted. It has a terrible script. But it is still, it is still fun. That's what makes it fun, is that it's, it's ludicrous. Oh, and the effects are terrible. The, the CGI looks like it was done by a high schooler learning the art of CGI. But, but Laura, wouldn't you say that like it's the absurdity that makes it funny and fun? Well, and, and that's why the boys like it, is, is that it, it is fun, and it doesn't take itself seriously. And they churn these out all the time. So I think they have one of these almost every Friday night, like a new one. It's fun. And, and, and you know, there's like a scene where, you know, they're in an airplane, and they're trying to... You know, and then the terracuda comes and is trying to eat it off like a gremlin. It's all so bad. A gremlin? Like from the movie Gremlins? Yeah, kind of. You know, like if you look out the window of the tiny propeller plane and there's like a terracuda menacing out there, like eating the engine. I mean, yeah, it's bad. It, and uh, like, so it's, it's, it's a feature length film. It's an hour and a half. And there was no way I thought I was going to watch the whole thing. But it kept me entertained for the entire time, and I finished it. I did not think I was going to finish it, and I did. It was because it was entertaining. It was it was silly and ridiculous, and I enjoyed it. You know, I agree with you that it is a subcategory. It's kind of schlocky. It's kind of cheesy. It's definitely fun. But there, all of the sci-fi movies generally fall into this category. Some of them are are more entertaining or better than others. Some of them, you know, I, I think there is the tendency to once they have a, a winning or popular franchise to, you know, beat it into the ground. Yeah. I think they made too many Sharknados and should have stopped before the time travel <laughs> um, Although I think my favorite one is like when Mark Cuban is president and like Ann Coulter is vice president and she gets eaten by a shark. That's a good <laughs> That's like, I think maybe the third one. And Coulter? Yeah, she is actually plays the vice like, president yeah. and is okay. legit in the movie. Kind of like how Conan O'Brien got his head head bitten off in, in Sharknado yeah. versus Terracuda. So when you say sci-fi, do you, are you referring to the Sci-Fi Network? Like these are yeah, these are made-for-TV original movies that they frequently run on Friday nights. Do you have a favorite Sharknado movie? I think my favorite is probably the. If I'm going to rank them, I would say probably the first one, the third one. The second one, the fourth one, and the fifth one, and then I, I don't. But they're, they're all they get they get worse and worse each time right. for the most part. Having grown up watching Beverly Hills 90210, the Ian Ziering, Ian Ziering makes it a winner. I don't know what that is. He was the guy that played Sanders in uh, Beverly okay. Hills 90210. Okay. I, I don't to, know. I used to watch this. You I guys have watched Beverly Hills 90210? Gosh, freaking millennials. I have I watched mean, it. I have watched it. I have watched it. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay, I'm, I'm not allowed to ask you how old you are, but you're not that much older than me. I think I'm like six years older than you. Okay. One of these days, we're going to have to take Thomas to task for having such terrible taste in tele- television. You've watched all the terrible shows. Maybe they're not terrible. Maybe you're the one with garbage taste. Gilmore Girls, 90210, Sex in the City. Like, what, what 
Uh, you probably watched Grey's Anatomy. No, no, I have never seen that. I also never got into like One Tree yeah. Hill or no. Oh, okay. I've I've seen almost all so, of it. So you take pride in the fact that you're not a One Tree Hill guy. Yes. How about that? What was the one that that Jessica Biel was on? Seventh Heaven. I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? Okay. I think that's it. I didn't watch that one, but I think that was it. Did you watch The Meg? I did not. Okay. I did not. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, it, it didn't seem like Sonny thought that highly of it. What, how does well, that matter? Like, it was an actual movie release in theaters, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And so the, the difference so is... not that, schlocky yeah, enough? I will probably see it. I'm not okay. going to pay to see that in a theater. Right. That's the difference. You'll watch it on TV, yeah. I'll, I'll stream it. I'm sure yeah. the kids would love it. Ryan, do you have a movie quote for us today? Yeah. <clears throat> Great. Look at this. I think it's infected. Man, I've got to get out of Africa. And that was Robert Redford in Out of Africa. <laughs> so, did we even mention in the Chav King Arthur episode that the, the title was in the movie? I don't remember if The you Legend ever did. of the Sword has grown. So stupid. It is. It's in the yeah, yeah. like there's this guy who's like telling Jude lies like Listen, like, you gotta be careful. Oh, it's the, the sweet. legend yeah. of the sword has grown. It had to be like a studio note. Like, it's like, well, that, you, that's you the name of the movie. You gotta get the post colon uh, subtitle in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they teach you at the movie academy. In our mailbag this week, we received a, a question from Adam where he describes. 2018 as a pretty unremarkable year for movies and asks us if anything stood out. So, did anything that you've seen in the... serious (laughs) question. Did anything stand out to you guys? Was there a movie uh, that you saw in theater that you you really liked? You know, I liked First Man a lot. I want to see it again. I'm probably going to buy it in 4K when it comes out. So... First Man for me, I liked. Are, are you looking uh, towards the sequel, Second Man? <laughs> yeah. Part of, the, part of the Man Expanded Universe. <laughs> oh man, I love the Man Expanded Universe. <laughs> I would say probably the Avengers because you know the whole Thanos snap thing was was pretty impressive, even though you know it's fake. <laughs> but it was impressive that he could snap his fingers and kill half of all life forms. Well, it was it was a decently done film. I mean. The kids enjoyed it. It's fun. It's Avengers. Okay, so... um, So we know the the best, because it had all of them. Ryan, did your kids like it? I took Jonah and Jack. Jack was lost interest 30 minutes in. But, I mean, he's seven, so... But Jonah, I mean, he liked it, but he hasn't, like, asked to watch it again. In some of the other, you know, Marvel movies, he's watched multiple times, so... So I, based I asked based because, on that, you know, I don't think he really loved it. You know, JVL talks about how, you know, his kids lack sophistication in, and he even uses that as like, even my kids disliked it, you know, when something's really yeah. bad. Um, but so my eight-year-old Jordan, she is, she's a really smart kid. But as a movie critic, like here was her take on Infinity War. She said she didn't like it because it didn't have a happy ending. <laughs> You know, because they all died at the end. Can't argue with that. Yeah, and so that's interesting that Laura's kids. She's gonna like the next one though. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, she probably will. They're all coming back. (laughs) Why? Why? That that overwhelmed everything. The 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 end. You know, where she may have enjoyed every part up to that, but that's what she remembers is that she doesn't like it. So that colors the whole the perception of the entire movie. 
Yeah. I think my favorite movie that I've seen in theater this year is A Quiet Place. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm not a fan of horror movies, but it's not really a horror movie. It's more of a suspense thriller or something along those lines. They talked about on projections about it and how it sort of has a, a pro-life message and it is really well done and I like, uh, what's his name? Krasinski. So I think that's probably my fa- favorite movie from this year. Yeah, I'm changing mine to that because I forget. That wasn't in my movie pass app because I didn't see that in the theater, but mm. we saw it, we rented it, and yeah, that's my favorite movie this year. So did you guys happen to read J-Pod's article? Was that today in the Weekly Standard? Basically how not many movies age well. So, I mean, so you say that every year we say that, but then I guess what you're saying is that it kind of movies grow over the years. He was making the exact opposite point that, that like all these movies that he thought were, he, he acknowledged that, that he thought were great. Um, l- looking back, just aren't aren't all that special that they don't. Oh, like so you're saying they get they get worse the yeah, year yeah. movie gets, gets worse over time. Yes. So looking back on this year, people are going to be like, "Wow, this was 2018 was the worst year in history." I don't know about that, but yeah. So I mean, uh, there are quite a few movies that I enjoyed. So like A Quiet Place, Death of Stalin, Solo, mm. First Man. Widows, like I enjoyed all of those movies. They were they were good movies, and I know that you guys liked Game Night, for example. Yeah, They're, was that this year? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Game Night was fantastic. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, Annihilation. I'm just listing movies. Mission Impossible, Fallout, Stars Born. I liked and, Annihilation. I mean, I didn't love it, but I thought it was good. Isle of Dogs. Oh, that's right. That was this year. I too. I am a Wes Anderson fanboy, and. I, I didn't love it. Ant-Man I, and the Wasp. I liked it. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't my favorite movie of his. Probably not even the top three or four, but I liked it. It was, it was definite okay. bottom three for me. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to just lie on this. Together with Tomb Raider, probably the two best movies of the year. Uh, Laura, are there any other movies from this year that you saw? That oh, you Jumanji. Liked? Jumanji is really, really good. Jumanji, Jumanji is... Jumanji whole rock trifecta. You know, Jumanji, Skyscraper, and Rampage. I think we could all agree Jumanji was the best of those, but Pacific Rim Uprising. Okay. I saw yeah. that one. I saw Power Rangers. Yeah, that Pacific Rim Uprising seems right up your alley. I mean, it's like... <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean, Chris? Well, like the sci-fi, except this is a blockbuster sci-fi, you know, giant robots fighting giant lizards. I watched Pacific, Pacific Rim Job 2, and it is <laughs> not anywhere near as good as the first one. Oh my gosh. A uh, question for you guys. Um, I am not a Mary, Mary Poppins guy, but if you are, will you be watching the new one coming out in a couple weeks, or a week, or whatever? Mm-hmm. I will probably see it. Uh, but maybe just with my daughter. I I have a feeling the boys, well, the boys are not huge fans of the original. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. Um, you know, Disney does things well, so yeah. And do they do they like the live action Disney stuff? They do. Um, I think that that's probably been within the last you know couple of, if it's decent. So my you know they'll watch the the princess movie remakes um, that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, we we we've gone we branched beyond just animation. Ryan, you're a, a Lin Manuel Miranda guy. Are you going to watch Mary Poppins? No, but I'll listen to the soundtrack. That is all the time we are giving to this episode. Uh, if you are still listening and like what you're hearing, make sure to leave a review on iTunes or whatever app it is that you are using and, to listen. And to also, 
make an appointment with the psychiatrist too. Yes. <laughs> and don't worry, uh, regardless of the fate of the weekly standard, um, it has been whispered in our ears that the substandard boys are going to return in the future and bless us with plenty more woodshop content. As for us, we will be back, as usual, next week with another insightful episode. Opening theme music, David Schwartz. Opening voiceover, Tim Lewis. Cover art design by Nick Chu at the Nick A. Chu on Twitter. We've listened to the last episode of the podcast we all love, The Substandard. As the Substandard expanded universe, you may be wondering about our future. All you need to know about that is Substandard for Life. The podcast we love will be back, and even though it'll have a different name, some things never change.